follow things all the time. We follow people. We follow teams. We follow celebrities. Uh, for those who of you are single, sometimes you might follow a guy or you might follow a girl. You'll follow different people all the time. But yet over the last couple of years, following has become the in thing to do. How many of you have got a Facebook? How many of you refuse to have a Facebook? A few of you. Okay. How many of you got Twitter? Like one. I'm Twitter. I love, actually, I prefer Twitter to Facebook any day. And because on Facebook, you get all those, uh, all these games of people inviting to all these things, and it just annoys me. Twitter, it's just like status all the time. But have you ever asked the question, why do we follow things? I mean, what is the obsession with social media? What is the obsession with Facebook or Twitter? Why do we follow so many things? Have you ever asked that question of yourself? I mean, do you follow people because they're, fr- they're friends of yours? Do you follow people because they may be family members of yours? Do you follow someone because they're an old school friend or you haven't seen someone in many years? Do you follow someone because you're nosy and you want to see what's going on in their life? There's plenty of reasons. Yeah, I heard that, yes. There's plenty of reasons why we follow people. But I guarantee, if, uh, for those of you who are on social media, I guarantee probably about at least 66, 66% of those people that you follow, you have nothing to do with. You don't engage in any meaningful conversations with them. I have, I have Twitter, and if someone follows me, I'll follow them back. I don't know who they are. Uh, I don't really care. I don't really look at them. I just think it's courteous. If they want to follow me, I'll follow them back. So I, at the moment, have about 480 followers on Facebook. I'm um, sorry, on Twitter. And I guarantee that I probably know about 80 of them. I probably engage in meaningful conversations with probably about 20 of them. But yet, I follow them. Have you ever asked that question, then, why do we follow so many people? This world is full of following different people. But here at Generation Church, there is one person that we do follow, and everything that we do is based on following this one person, and his name is Jesus. And have you ever looked at churches, or looked at Christians, and looked at different people, and think, why do they follow Jesus? Or even ask that question, if you are Christ, follow yourself, why do I follow Jesus? Why do I follow Jesus? I bet if Jesus had a Facebook, I bet the majority of us who have Facebook would follow Jesus on Facebook. But I wonder how many of us would engage in meaningful conversations with Jesus. So today on Easter Sunday, this is what I want to do very quickly. I just want to very quickly tell you why we here at Generation Church follow Jesus. For those of you, you may have never followed Jesus, or you may think, I don't want anything to do with that. I just want to tell you why we follow Jesus. If you do follow Jesus, I want to remind you this morning why we follow Jesus. And there's a few different things and a few different reasons why we follow Jesus. He's not somebody that we just come on Easter Sunday and we follow. He's not somebody who we go to church on Christmas Eve just to pay homage to. He's not somebody we we just read about in a Bible. Jesus is somebody that we, as a church, we follow. And so this morning, there's three very quick things I want to tell you why we follow Jesus. And if you have your Bibles this morning, you can follow in your Bibles. If you don't, there'll be some scriptures on, on, on the screen. And, but there's a few different things that I, I want to tell you about just to, sh- to show you why we follow Jesus. And the first reason we follow Jesus is this. It's because of Jesus' life. We saw in that follow video, we saw that the whole life of Jesus was, was, uh, was, was uh, portrayed on, on, a, on, a, on a Twitter feed. 
And we see that Jesus did many miracles. He walked this earth. He did many things. uh, And uh, he was very compassionate upon people. And we see that he died a terrible death on a cross. Which at the time was the worst death that anybody could imagine. And we see this life of Jesus. But yet, there's some things on there that we didn't see about Jesus' life. And this is the first thing that we see. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to uh, uh, the book of Luke, chapter 23. Luke, chapter 23. You know, Jesus, at the age of 33, was arrested. He was arrested by these Jewish priests who came and they decided they wanted to get rid of Jesus because Jesus was teaching a different message about the Bible than what they wanted taught. And so they called on, on, the, on the government at the time, which was part of the Roman Empire, and they said, arrest this man. This man has blasphemed against God. And so this man, Jesus, gets arrested, and he goes before the governor of a region called Judea, which was the place that Jesus lived in. And this governor was called Pontius Pilate. And this is what Pontius Pilate said about Jesus. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 4, it says, Pontius Pilate turned to the leading priests and to the crowd, And he said, I find nothing wrong with this man. I find nothing wrong with this man. The number one reason why we follow Jesus is because Jesus was a man who lived a sinless life. He lived a life like every one of us. But the difference was Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. Could you imagine living a life where you never lied? Or you never cheated? Where you never had bad thoughts about other people? Where you never gossiped? Could you imagine living a life that you were never selfish or you never stole from anybody or you never lusted or you never envied? Imagine living that kind of life. That's the life that Jesus lived. This man lived a perfect life. And at the end of his life, they quizzed his life and they looked at his life and they said, there's nothing we can find wrong with this man. This man was like, unlike any other man in this world, is that he lived a perfect life. We also see... In Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, Jesus now, he's been arrested. They couldn't find anything wrong with him, but they still decided we're going to crucify him. We're going to kill this man. We're going to put him to death. So he's there on the cross, as we saw in the pictures of the video uh, when we were seeing the song before. And there's Jesus on the cross. He's been beaten. He's been bruised. And this is what Jesus said. Most of us would be like, Cursing and swearing and things. And that's why you need to come a couple of weeks later to decide that's not right to do that. But Jesus was, was, was in this place where he was in so much pain. And most of us, we probably would have cried. We probably would have been in pain. We would have had some choice words to say about people. And this is what Jesus says. Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus, in the most terrible place of his life, in the most pain he's ever been in, he's so lonely, people have just totally despised him. And Jesus pours out compassion like no other man who has ever lived. And he says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Could you imagine having that sort of compassion on somebody else? In the moment when a man should think just about himself, he thought about others. He thought about the life of others. That is why we follow Jesus. We also follow Jesus because Jesus was a man just like us. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says this. It says, Jesus, who's also known as our high priest, understands our weaknesses. 
For he faced all the same testings that we did. You know, every single testing or temptation that you have ever uh, experienced in your life, Jesus went through that as well. All those emotions that you've ever felt, those emotions of joy, those emotions of uh, anger, those uh, emotions of hatred, Jesus experienced those emotions as well. But the difference was between you and Jesus, or me and Jesus, is that Jesus did not act upon those emotions. But yet we do. No other man in this world, no one else who has ever lived has done that but Jesus. We also see that in Luke chapter 23 and verse 40, we see that this is now getting to the core of why we follow Jesus. It says there, Jesus is on the cross. He's about to die. And on either side of them, there's two criminals who deserve to die. Jesus didn't deserve to die, but these did. And they start having a conversation with each other as they're about to die. And it says there, it says, the one criminal said to Jesus, he says, if you really are the Messiah, if you are who you say you are, then save yourself. And then the other criminal turns to him and he says, don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to death, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. On the verge of death, this one man saw who Jesus really was. He wasn't just a man who walked around. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just some faith healer. He was God in the form of man. And this man, on the verge of death, looked over and saw Jesus and he realized this was God. This man was God. That is why we follow Jesus. It's because Jesus is God in the form of a man. There's nobody else in this world who can say that. He wasn't another Gandhi. He wasn't another Buddha. He wasn't another Muhammad. Because all those men were just men. Some of them may have been good men, but they were just men. He wasn't a religious leader. Just another religious leader. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a king. He was God in the form of man. And that is why we follow Jesus. Because of his life. But we also follow Jesus because of his hope. The hope that we have. And did you know because Jesus gave us hope, we can have hope in this life. There's plenty of people who have lived good lives. There's lots of people who have many followers. But there is more to Jesus than just his life. You know it was because of the life that he lived. It meant his death had even more power. And his death led to us having a, uh, uh, an everlasting hope. In Luke 24 and verse seven, uh, 4 to 7. Now Jesus has died. He's been put in a tomb. And these women who are friends of Jesus come to see the body. They want to come and treat his body and put spices on there. And so that he doesn't smell so much. So we can have a graceful death. And this is what happens. It says... As the woman stood there, they were puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. They were like angels. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Then this is what the angel said. He isn't here. He is risen. He isn't here. He is risen. You know, Jesus is unlike any other man. The fact that he died... But yet, he rose again to life. 
And now Jesus lives. And because Jesus lives, we can have hope today. Unlike any other religion in this world, unlike any other philosophy, they all die. But Jesus lived. That is why we follow Jesus, because he is the living Messiah. He is God in the form of uh, of a man who lives forever. Jesus did something no one else could do. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. And he lived. Jesus Christ lived. But it goes on. There's more. In Luke chapter 14, verse 19, it says this. It says, sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, John chapter 14 and verse 19. It says, Soon the world will no longer see me. This is Jesus talking before he had died. Then he says to his disciples, but you will see me. Then he says, since I live, you will live also. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am with my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The great news this morning is that you have hope. Because Jesus lives, then you can live also. You can have life also. And what I mean by life, I don't mean just, just physical breath. I mean spiritual life. I mean real life, a full life. Jesus once said to his disciples, he says, if you follow me, I will give you a rich and a satisfying full life. A life where there is hope, a life where there is joy, a life where there is peace. We follow Jesus because Jesus lives. And because Jesus lives, there is hope that you can live also. Your soul can live. We also see that as the result of living this morning, In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Since therefore we have been made right in God's sight because of Jesus, and by faith we have peace with God because Jesus Christ our Lord has done this for us. Because you live today, you can have hope and joy and peace. And most importantly, you are made right with God. You are made right with God. See, sin has come into our lives and has made us not right with God, distant from God. But because of Jesus, you have been made right with God. So because of his hope. And then finally this morning, we follow Jesus here at Generation Church because of the promise that Jesus gives. He lived a sinless life. He gives us hope, but he also gives us a promise. You know, Gandhi didn't promise anything. Muhammad's promises fell flat. Buddha refused to promise anything. He said, it will just happen. This world is full of broken promises. You may have friends who have broken promises to you. You may have had a spouse or, or, or somebody or a close relative who has broken a promise to you. But the incredible thing about Jesus is that Jesus, because he is God in the form of man, He is unchanging. He is from everlasting to everlasting, the Bible says. He says there is none before him and there is none after him. God does not change. And because God does not change, we can rest assured that when God promises something, it will come to to pass. He will not break his promises. And in John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. Trust in God and also trust in me. Then he says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. Talking about heaven. He said, if this was not so, I would have not told you. That I am going to prepare a place 
for you. The first promise that we see that Jesus gives us is that he is going to heaven to prepare a place for us that we may live for eternity. Jesus is preparing a place for us. We also see in John 14, verse 3, it says, When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way where I am going. Basically, Jesus is saying, I'm preparing a place in heaven for you, but don't worry, because one day I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you to heaven. The promise is that Jesus is coming back. He wasn't just a guy who lived 2,000 years ago, say, see you later. He says, I'm coming back for the people who follow me. And then the last promise he gives us is in John 3, verse 16. It says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, who is Jesus, so that everyone who believes in him or everyone who follows him will not perish, but they will have eternal life. Because Jesus lives because of the hope that he gives you and because of the promise that he has given to us. Anybody who follows Jesus, who believes in Jesus and who he was, will have eternal life. And for you and me today, that means we have a promise for eternity. Not a promise that will break, not a promise that will be here today and gone tomorrow, but a promise that will live forever. Watch this. His purpose was declared before the foundation of the world. His birth was foretold in the scriptures. His sacrifice was forewarned by the prophets. But it wouldn't have mattered. He was born of a virgin. He remained pure in the face of every temptation. He lived perfectly. Even his enemies couldn't bring a legitimate charge against him. But it wouldn't have mattered. He pursued the unlovable. He served the unworthy. He healed the incurable. He endured the betrayal of friends. He endured the condemnation of the crowds. He endured the cross with all its shame and suffering. But it wouldn't have mattered. None of it would have mattered if the grave had not been empty, if death had not been defeated, if Jesus had not risen, none of it matters. But because of the resurrection, it all matters. His suffering matters. It means we were bought with an unspeakable price. His love matters. It means God's love is not only unconditional, it's incomprehensible. His life matters. It means God became fully man to become our perfect sacrifice. And the prophecies matter. It means God was and is and always will be in control. And everything happens according to His plan. It means that faith in Him is not in vain. Belief in Him is not foolish. Those who tell the story are not liars. And those who trust in Jesus should not be pitied. Ultimately, the resurrection means that what you do with Jesus is all that should matter to you. I'm going to ask the band if they will come back, if possible. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads in prayer. And as we close this service today, I want to ask you a question. What does Jesus mean to you? Does Jesus really matter to you this morning? 
Is Jesus, is Jesus just a man, another man to you? Is Jesus just somebody that we celebrate on Easter or Christmas? Or is Jesus somebody that we should follow and we should give our lives to? Is Jesus somebody who's just like everyone else on our Facebook or our Twitter or in the magazines? Or is Jesus somebody that we should give our lives and follow? You see, when Jesus gave his life for us, he didn't just come to do a good deed. He came to give you hope and to give you life, to give you joy and to give you peace, and most importantly, to give you everlasting life.